Well, welcome to uh, season two, episode two of the Open Mic podcast, where we talk to different ministry leaders in different uh, different contexts and different uh, different parts of Canada and the U.S. And so, today my guest is Kyle Belden, who is. Uh, Thanks for getting up so early, Kyle. He's out on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast, so it's so it's, it's noon for me, but it's it's a lot earlier for him. And uh, and Kyle, uh, just full disclosure, a uh, couple of things. I think Kyle is one of the best youth pastors that I know right now. Oh, uh, but in saying that, I also have to say that Kyle is my son-in-law, and so I am. I might be a little biased on uh, on some of those things. But, uh, <laughs> so. Uh, so Kyle, for those who uh, who might not know you personally, uh, just give us a little bit of your background and uh, kind of what you're doing right now, your current ministry situation. Yeah, absolutely. That's a lot of pressure, you know. Best youth pastor that you know, and and son-in-law, man. Uh, yeah, double yeah, double, yeah, double yeah. fronts there. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I so I grew up in Wyoming in a, a well big town for Wyoming, small town for everywhere else, uh, and. Um, I grew up in a family who loved Jesus. Like I am like the quintessential like church rat kid growing up. Like we were there all the time. My parents um, gave their, their lives to Jesus before I was ever born. And so that was always like a big priority to uh, be, be at church, be around church stuff, be around Jesus stuff, even when maybe there are some disconnects on what it really meant to, to live for him. But, you know, we were involved in like, I did all the lame, like nineties, like you, choirs, you, you listen and, to audio adrenaline. You oh, did like man. the whole thing, right? I was like, the you lived in a big, big house. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I had all the dumb t-shirts with the, the, the copyrighted slogans from real products, all that kind of stuff. Like I was really into all that. And like, I don't know, there's a part of me sometimes that laments that because it's like, man, how lame, but then, you know, there's also, uh, I think, uh, a maturing part of me that really appreciates that my parents made Jesus a priority, at least as much as they understood him. And, and I had a lot of awesome opportunities. So as a kid, super involved around all the time. And then when middle school, high school, junior high, high school kind of hit, uh, I was like, I was in it. Like I had this great youth pastor who uh, was like a big influence in my life. I had an awesome group of friends who um, we all love Jesus. I mean, not perfect, right? High school has its pitfalls we all made bad decisions at times but um we were all like pushing each other toward deep relationship with jesus which was awesome and uh you know there were some incredibly significant moments with the holy spirit like throughout my junior high and high school years um and in young adult years and so um i think that's one of the reasons i so appreciate getting to do youth ministry now is i, I remember like some of the really significant things God did in my life during that time. And um, after I, I graduated high school, or uh, I think it was junior, junior, senior year, I kind of felt this, uh, I was at a church camp, right? Because I'm the church rat kid. So of course, I was at a church <laughs> camp. And, uh, and the, the speaker did this thing where he, he did the whole like, hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to like recommit your life to Jesus, and then kind of the third the third big move at, at church camps was, hey, do you think you might be called into ministry to do to do church ministry or vocational ministry? And uh, a lot of like our friend group kind of went up. And I remember kind of thinking like, hey, like I'd really love to do that. Um, but I also was like just in touch enough as a teenager to know like this would be a decision that I'd be making. 
like not necessarily a decision that like Jesus is asking me to make um, because I didn't know all the terrible things that come along with being a pastor. I just saw all the awesome things my youth <laughs> pastor did. Right. And so, uh, and so it was kind of like an, an attractive thing. And I had to like sit with that for a while. I went home and uh, I really kept asking Jesus, man, is this something you want me to do? I, I feel like I could do it. I, it sounds like such a fulfilling way to do life, just to commit everything to that. And it got to this point where I really had this like throwdown with God. And he was like, well, um, even if you end up like working in the coal mines in Gillette, which is where I live for the rest of your life, like if, I, if I'm the one asking you to do that, will you do it? And I kind of had to settle that in my life to be like, okay, God, even if all I do is sling coal for the rest of my life, if that's what you want me to do, I just want to do what you want me to do. And it was almost like when that moment of surrender and kind of humility entered in, God was like, okay, now I'm going to show you like what I've actually put you together to do and started to confirm from all kinds of different places, not just a, an emotional night at, at a camp, but from all these places that had a much deeper anchor uh, that, that he was calling me to step into like a life of ministry. And so I went to college in Oklahoma at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, met Megan there, which is your daughter. And uh, we got married and um, couldn't find a job for a year. So we lived in a van and drove around, which again, <laughs> down by the, the moment, river. <laughs> yes. Yep. At the moment felt terrible in hindsight. It's like, man, we were just ahead of the curve. Van life is such a big deal. Now we could have, we should have embraced it more. But uh, after all of that, we kind of took our step into actual vocational ministry. We lived in Nova Scotia for four years doing a youth ministry at a church um, in Nova Scotia. And then, uh, and then moved out here to Modesto, California, where I'm, I'm the high school pastor, uh, but I also provide some oversight over our entire student ministry team. We have a middle school uh, pastor uh, as well as uh, a few other people in the mix, worship leader and that kind of thing. And so that's where we're at now. So. Yeah. So just, just to give everybody a context, not that, not that numbers are everything, but uh, mm -hmm. just like for our context of like the size of the church and, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and your, uh, your kind of the spiritual temperature where you're located in California, because people have stereotypes when you say the word California. So. Right. Yes. <laughs> that is something that's worth saying for sure. Uh, where I live in Modesto is not the California you're thinking of most likely. Um, it's not Southern California. It's not even like San Francisco. Uh, it's, it would be more of like a quote unquote conservative area of California, big, big on agriculture and stuff like that. But it's this weird mix of value wise. It still is everything maybe that you might imagine about California. Um, and so there's a lot of tension in where I live right now with all of that, um, especially kind of in the season that we're living in. Um, there's, and uh, and you guys do have a, you do have like a, an independence movement, right? A, a, mm. a small group of people who want to separate from the rest of yes. California. Yes. So it's that kind of place. Yeah. It's called the state of Jefferson. And there's a, the, the more you go up into the hills and the smaller towns you run into, the more flags you see of the state of Jefferson. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely some of that in there. Um, but uh, the, the town we live in, it's also, it's, it's gritty. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of homelessness, a lot of drug abuse, stuff like that in the town that we live in. And so it's just this weird mix, you know, there's the, there's the people who own the almond orchards who are literal millionaires, but you'd never know it. 
there's people who you'd exactly expect to be like California people. And then uh, there's all this like all this spectrum in between. And so we really encompass a lot of different things. So sometimes it's kind of hard to like pin down, like what actually is our culture in this town? Like we're not quite sure. Depends on what pocket and what neighborhood you go to, but um, that keeps it exciting, which is fun. Uh, as far as uh, like the size of the church and the culture of the church, um, it's a good question. You know, in the pandemic, trying to trying to count how many people are still going to your yeah, church right, can, be, right. can be difficult. Um, <laughs> I think my best guess at this point would be our church is probably around a thousand, twelve hundred people. Maybe that would be that would call themselves like I'm I'm invested here. I'm committed here, um, which, again, is a moving target. Uh, our, our student ministry is probably if everybody showed up on the same night, there, there'd probably be like one hundred fifty, maybe one hundred and sixty students there, um, which that's always in flux and that kind of thing. But uh, but that's kind of where that's our best guess anyway, right now. Okay. Yeah. So that, uh, that'll give people a context for, you know, kind of what we're talking about as we, mm -hmm. as we talk about youth ministry. So, yeah. so, uh, what year did you start like officially like you, this, you know, your first youth pastor job, what year was that exactly? It's been a oh, while, man. right? So yeah, that, let's see. Now I'm getting older. So it's harder <laughs> to remember. I think it was 2009, I think okay. is when we started in, in Yarmouth in Nova Scotia, because uh, I graduated 2008, uh, might have been, yeah, I think it was 2009, yep. So, yeah, and the, and the kind of, and so the context there was like when you first went to the youth group there, Nova Scotia's uh, kind of, you're, you're kind of, in Yarmouth, you're kind of like at the very edge, it can feel like the edge of the world sometimes, because it's not yes. on the, it's a peninsula, you're not on the way totally. anywhere, so. Uh, so I've when, never, you, start, when never, you started there, what did youth ministry look like? Yeah, yeah. It was funny. I'd never seen a highway just end before, before we moved. <laughs> right at the, the end of the highway. We were like, oh, there's a sign that says the highway's done. We're like, oh, I've <laughs> never seen that. That's, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so uh, youth ministry in Yarmouth was uh, at least the, the ministry that we did, for better or for worse. Um, I would call it like very typical like youth ministry. Like you throw some food in the mix, you'd have an all-nighter, you host a concert, and partly because of the dynamics of the town and that kind of thing, um, you could draw quite a crowd of students there. Um, and that was kind of the, the model, you know, I'd always been taught and seen is you kind of, you put on something, um, you draw in the crowd, and you tell them about Jesus, and then you try to support them as best you can as you move forward. And that's all when actually functioning at its best. Uh, I don't know if that ever actually <laughs> accomplished everything it was supposed to. But um, but in Yarmouth, I would say we saw like a fair amount of success, however you want to define that. And um, we got to see some, some growth numerically. We also got to walk alongside a lot of students as they tried to figure out, is Jesus worth this? And what am I going to do with it? Um, but yeah, so much of it was like, hey, we got macaroni and cheese, man. Come on by. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, which we have is a nine square. Come hang out. Yeah. yeah and I would, uh, you know, hey, man, if that's working, it's awesome. Like, I would absolutely, never, absolutely. I would never disparage that or, or even any of the old, uh, like, cheesies, 90 things that, yep. Uh, yep, you know, totally. yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever the Lord's using, whatever's, whatever's absolutely. working. But, absolutely. but quite, quite a cultural shift from there to California, though. It was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in some ways, it felt a little familiar. Um, just on, I would say like on a value wise, maybe like a morality level, 
um, I noticed like, okay, uh, where Canada's at and where California's at, there's, there's some similarities for sure, but culturally, whoo, like way, way different, right? The, uh, the things that were important to them, the things that they thought were worth their time um, were very, very, very different for sure. And so uh, when I came out here, you know, a lot of, it was an established youth ministry The the former youth pastor um, left under good terms. He was actually here for a while when we got here. And so um, the transition was, was kind of not seamless, I guess, but healthy. And, um, and then as the culture kind of started to change around the town, around the people, that kind of thing, um, then the youth ministry culture kind of changes as well. And, and that happens for sure. Uh, but it was a very, very different thing because here, like as soon as we got here, I don't necessarily think like Nova Scotia was like way behind in technology and all that kind of stuff. But when we got here, you know, every kid had an iPhone. Every kid had a ton of technology. There was a high, high pressure on on school and stuff like that, which pushed them more and more to invest in their online stuff because they're doing so much school online, but then they also were doing anything else they wanted online. And so basically I, I got this sense early on where it's like, you have access to literally the best of anything that you could hope for. Like there's nothing that we as a youth ministry can offer you that will be a high enough quality level that you can't find it on your phone. You know, if you're looking for killer music, ours isn't going to be better than what you can find online. If you're looking for like a super inspiring message or something like that, you're not going to find online. So pretty, or you're not going to find it here as good as you're going to find online. And so pretty quickly it became clear, like, man, the name of the game for at least early on was the thing that we can offer is like real community. Cause that isn't something you can find online. I mean, this past year has proven that to all of us, right? It's a right. stop gap. It's a stop gap. And it's not, nothing but it's not what it it's 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 faux community right it's it's kind of like it's 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 somewhat of a reasonable facsimile but not for long and not not really right not sustainable and right right. yeah exactly exactly yeah uh so 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 how how have uh you so you've been there almost you've pretty much been doing like a decade of youth ministry in california so what yeah um what has changed in youth ministry from, you know, back in, back when you first kind of graduated and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think one of, I think first of all, like I've changed a lot, like as a, as I've gone through things, you know, there's a lot of things that I think early on in ministry, I just assumed that I knew what was best about everything, you know, cause I had, I had the training and I had the, and I just didn't want to deal with like other people's like um, insights or input or whatever. And so I've, I've come, I think I've changed a lot in that to appreciate some other perspectives. Um, and part of that's, you know, has to do with like leading a team of people that don't always agree uh, a group of volunteers that don't always agree and just kind of positioning myself in a place where like, okay, I'm going to choose like to be humble and to listen to this because I might not know everything. <laughs> That's, that's been a, a big thing. And I, it feels gross to even say that, but I once did that. And I don't think, uh, I don't think it was like a conscious, like I'm going to be super arrogant, but looking back on, it, I'm like, well, I didn't give room for people to speak into what we're doing here. Um, so that I, I've changed a lot throughout that process. As far as like actual youth culture and stuff like that, I mean, pick a year and it looks different because man, it, 
it just, some things are always the same and some things change on the weekly, you know, like the, the students are, are dealing with the same core issues that they've been dealing with since I stepped into this in 2009, but it, they're wrapped up in like totally different uh, wrappings, right? Like still, they still are trying to figure out who they are. They're still trying to navigate um, opportunity and what fulfillment is and what uh, being cared for is and what love is and all that kind of stuff. But it feels like every year it looks drastically different where it's like there's this new this new uh, new sexual ethics. And now there's a whole bunch of conversation around that, trying to figure out who they are. And then, you know, a few years ago, it was, you know, maybe uh, the same core issue of figuring out who they are, but it's all wrapped around maybe like an, an emotional uh, disconnect or something like that. And so it seems to change a lot. I would, I would say recently has probably been the biggest shift. I think the pandemic has, has, has introduced probably the biggest shift in, in these students that I'm connected with anyway, uh, because we, so when, when the pandemic hit, we went into like full on mode, like everybody else trying to figure out how do we do this where we can't actually be with people. We did the online stuff for a while. We did zoom groups, uh, which were all that. It was terrible, but it was what we had to do. Right. <laughs> and and, and I'm proud of like the team and what they put together because we did, we were able to maintain connection and stuff, but it felt like all that to say, it felt like there was this shift where students got to this point and maybe you felt this as well, where uh, the amount of like energy output is something that now they're very, very protective of um, because I think everything felt like so difficult and like it costs so much energy to do that they got to this point where they're like, if it's not worth it, I'm not going to expend the energy on it because they're just tired of everything. And so uh, I, that, that translated into their relationships with Jesus and with their, with their faith. And so they're kind of at this point where they're like, I need to figure out, is this Jesus person really, really worth following? And if he's not, I'm done. I don't want to have like one foot in one foot out. I don't want to like come for the community and not stay for Jesus because it's just not worth the energy output. And in some ways that, you know, for a person who maybe wants to have a crowd and wants to feel like successful, that's a scary concept, but I'm, I'm at the point where I'm like, all bets are off. Let's go. Like right. that sounds, that so sounds number, awesome. numbers are down, but intensity is up. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's like across the board, I think in a lot of churches and, um, and it's been cool to see students kind of ask those hard questions. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're like bailing, um, but if there's any kind of like interest at all, they're really leaning into it. And so um, I think that that has been probably the most significant change, at least in this group of students that I'm connected with, that I've seen since I started. Um, they just really want to know they're, they're done with the, having this just be a part of their life. They're either like, OK, Jesus has to be all of it or I'm out completely. Um, I don't want to do this like in between stuff because I think they saw I think they saw a whole bunch of people who said Jesus was like king of their life. And then as soon as this like inconveniencing disease rolled around, they're like, well, uh, I, I guess not. Um, and they're like, that's gross. We don't want that. And so it's, I don't know. I'm excited. I don't know what it will lead to. And it feels very messy and wild, but uh, I, I think they're God's positioning, like 
these, these teenage students into a pretty unique spot, I think. Um, yeah. And, and we're, I, I'm seeing the same thing here, uh, you know, at the college level where, where, you know, it's human nature to take the road of least resistance. And when you, you know, we're starting to get into uh, vaccine passports and all that, you know, there's all these barriers that uh, make ministry a lot harder. You've got a lot more hoops to jump through. And it's really, mm -hmm. it's really clarifying those who are like really committed, like, I'm going to do this anyway, no matter what. And, and yeah. those who are like, well, maybe I'll just do something else because mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. this just seems like a lot of work. And mm -hmm. so we, we're definitely uh, kind of experiencing, experiencing that on all levels mm -hmm. of the, of the church, mm -hmm. I think. And it's, it's cool. It's cool to see, I think, because uh, you know, everyone in their like teenage or adolescent years, like you're every generation, it feels like is looking for, okay, what, what is like my purpose? Like, who am I made to be that kind of thing? And I think for so long, it was easy for, I know I did this. It was easy for people to advertently or inadvertently say, Hey, Jesus needs to be a part of that. But like, you know, you, you got all these other things and we understand that right. and all that stuff. Right. Um, but now it kind of feels like there's this shift where they're just asking a lot tougher questions about what it really means to like surrender to what Jesus wants for your life. Not just like a prayer to get you to heaven kind of thing or avoiding bad behaviors that'll get you in trouble with like church people, but, but really like, it's not going to get easier to live for Jesus. It's not, it's, it's not simple. Like you said, like, things and that's cost. really bad. That's really bad news. If you're looking for the easy road, right? Like, right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> but like, you know, but if, but if they can come to this realization, it's not something even I can do. It's like the Holy spirit has to do it. We just want to set the, set the stage well for him to do his thing. Like, but if they, if they really understand like, okay, this is the, this is the same power that, that brought Jesus back from the dead. This is the power that lives in us through the Holy spirit. Like then I can, live a life that has meaning and purpose and that looks like Jesus. And man, when those, when those truths become clear to them, I'm finding that they're like, okay, let's go. Like, and they're leading the way in a lot of ways. It's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. So what are, what are, what would be, um, I'm going to ask a couple of questions just so mm -hmm. uh, one, one's kind of negative and one's kind of positive. So that's why I'm <laughs> yeah. put, putting them together. So it doesn't seem really super negative at the beginning, but uh, like, what's the toughest thing you have to deal with in youth ministry? And then, and then what are some of the wins for you? Like, what are some of the things that, that, uh, you know, in the midst of some discouragements, keep you going, you're kind of like, ah, mm -hmm. oh, this, this is what, this is what it's all about. This is why I do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think some of the toughest things kind of big picture that have been, that have been tough always is. Uh, it's the statistic exists for a reason, right? You hear about it. If you're in like the church world of how many it number changes all the time, but how many people, how many students kind of leave their faith or give up on Jesus uh, when they graduate high school and they go off to college or a few years down the road or whatever. That's, that has always been a huge struggle. I think, I think for my personality, it's a big struggle. I think also just on an emotional level, it's a big struggle because uh, we've invested in these people, right? And uh, we've we've given a lot of like relational energy to these relationships. Um, and to see them, to see them at one point seem to really get what it meant to follow Jesus, and then you know it all come undone in a few months can be really discouraging. And 
on, on a few levels, like it hurts, just, just hurts emotionally. Um, but I also think that there's at times it has brought up like doubts and stuff like that. Like is what, is what we're doing making a difference? Like is what we're doing mattering to these students? Because if, as soon as you like le loosen the reins a little bit, they just go wild. And so it's like, did, was this just us like pressuring them to act a certain way or was this a real thing for them? And so that, that is like one of the most consistent tough things I think for, for Megan and I in doing this for sure. Um, I think some of the more recent tough things are, yeah, it's, there's just so much discord and disunity and difficulty in the church world right now, at least where we live. Uh, lots of opinions about the pandemic and about vaccines and about uh, politics and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, it's disheartening because some of it is sinking down to some students. And it's so weird because I'm like, I could not have cared less about politics when I was a junior in high school, but it seems to be like your whole thing now. And maybe I was dumb and not aware, uh, but maybe you're taking it a little too seriously. Um, but I see some of the same, uh, see some of the same patterns in some of the adults in our community start to find their way into some of the students in our community. And that's kind of disheartening too, because I don't think it's setting them up <laughs> for success very well moving forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had, we've had some specific difficult things for sure. You know, we've, we've had to navigate kids who are transitioning and how do we deal with that in the student ministry and how do we come alongside them? Um, when they're constantly... and I would say you would be, you know, things tend to hit California before they yeah. hit everywhere else. So you're you're probably on the on the front lines of a lot of the gender uh, mm -hmm. the gender stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, we we've definitely had to like walk through that, and some we have failed lots of times, and we've had some levels of uh, doing it right other times. But yeah, we've had to deal with with sexuality and and that one instance of of a of a person who was wanting to transition. And it's just been difficult to walk through that while maintaining, you know, Hey, here's what scripture says. And it's really clear about who you are as a person, how God made you to be. But also like, we know you have all this baggage that you think the church thinks about you. We just want you to know that's not how we think about you, you know? And, um, that's, that's been challenging for sure as well. Um, and I, yeah, that's probably, a, a probably the most difficult cultural issue that we've had to walk through for sure. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a, you know, it's a balance between truth and grace that you're mm -hmm. always, you're always kind of walking that line in ministry because you don't want to, you, you want to maintain the truth and be true to scripture, but you also don't want the uh, person to misunderstand that. And, right. and it can be, mm -hmm. um, and if people, if people get in that place where they, where they hate the truth, like well, there's a truth that there that is really it contradicts them and so they don't like it uh mm -hmm. then then everything that is the truth kind of looks like hate you know they right. interpret it as hate mm -hmm. even though mm -hmm. even though you know that that's not mm -hmm. kind of where your heart's at so so right. what, can, what are you can come in yeah 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 what are what are some uh what are some wins what are the things that that kind of keep you going in yeah. uh, in youth ministry yeah so um and some of the wins in youth ministry for us lately uh, is just what we had talked about before, where there's this seems to be this growing commitment in 
at least a core group of students in our ministry where they're just like, Jesus is first, he's king, and I'm going to surrender to him. I'm going to arrange my life around him. Um, and I'm not pulling punches on stuff. I mean, it's cool. We, we are seeing students like fasting on their own volition. Um, we, I know, I know of a, an example of a student who just graduated, who sat his whole family down. We, we had, we've been learning a little bit about fasting and, and he's, the Holy Spirit's been doing some work in his life. And he sat his whole family down. He's like, okay, guys, <laughs> he's like, we need to fast together. Like our whole family needs to like get together and fast. And then we should, when we break our fast, we should like read, we should like read scripture together. Like it's being pushed. And this is like a Christian family, awesome people, but we're seeing like a student really like pushing it forward to having Jesus be such an integral part of their life, which has been really cool. And so that kind of all or nothing, like no holds bar going for it. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of that, which is really, really cool. Um, kind of in a, like a general sense, Honestly, it, it sounds simple. And I learned this when I was growing, uh, when I was going through school and stuff, um, but probably didn't realize how vital it was back then. Um, one of the biggest wins in youth ministry is just actually getting to spend time with students. Um, because I think it can be easy, especially for a while when we moved out here, I fell into this where it's like, you're planning stuff, you're executing programs, you're doing all this stuff, but I, I was spending less time with the actual people that God asked me to be an influence in their life. And it became clear pretty quickly, like, well, that's not worth anything, right? <laughs> like, what, what are we doing here? I could, we can plan all this stuff, but if there's not like the, the relational part of it, it's not, it's not really worth that much. And so, um, you know, we love, we lo absolutely love getting to spend time with them, having them into our home, um, showing them that, Hey, you can be a part of our life just like we want to be a part of your life. Uh, um, you know, we have, we have kids quite a few. And so it's hard to get to like everything that they do and stuff like that. But um, it's one of the things that keep, that keeps us going big time. Um, and that, ha that can happen in like less formal settings. And that's like super great. Um, but it's cool also to have, we have a few more like formal settings where we get to like have interaction with students like trips, like camps, some of the things that we weren't able to do during the pandemic, but now that we're able to start doing some of those things, I've noticed how much I've missed them because you can just get so much more relational work done in a weekend serving together somewhere. Uh, for instance, you know, we have, we have a new season in California now it's fire season. There's like spring, fall, right. winter, and, <laughs> right. and summer and fire season. And so um, that's super devastating and a real bummer. Uh, but there's also a lot of opportunity to step in and partner and come alongside. And so, you know, we've taken a handful of like fire relief trips with students. And I'm just, I'm always so amazed where it's like, man, we can, so much more work can be done in this two day period because we're like actually interacting with each other than two months of two hours a week on Wednesday night, you know? And so, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff, th those are wins for me that, the looser and wilder it gets, the 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 more I enjoy it. So if I can ever, <laughs> if I can ever get students to those to those places, uh, that that keeps me going for sure. Yeah, and I would say if there's two, uh, you know, if you just had to choose two investments, like in, in um, you know, my years of of uh, I, I I had an easy job because I was just like a camp speaker, and <laughs> I was a guy that came in and I, I didn't have to do all of the. 
the harder things of youth ministry. But but I, if I had to invest in two things, the camp would be one, mm-hmm. and, and mission would be the other. Like mm-hmm. bang for your buck, uh, like investment wise, those are those can be life changing times yep. for students. And I think, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's uh, it replaces like the other the 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 daily and weekly things. It just mm-hmm. it solidifies. It kind of it kind of clarifies and solidifies the uh, all the stuff that you've been talking about all year, yeah. kind of in, yeah. in camp and in mission. So absolutely, and it gives yeah. them it gives them space to like experience what the Holy Spirit's trying to do because you know there's all this groundwork laid, but then like on a Wednesday they come for two hours, then they're home, they're back to everything that's usual. And I mean, certainly God can speak in those settings, but to to be like completely disconnected from all of that and focused. Um, whether it's at a camp or at a mission trip or a service thing, uh, that that sets the stage um, and removes a lot of the, the the hurdles along the way. I think, and so I totally agree. Like those are my. What, each summer we have a camp that's that's for just our students, and we do mission trips. And far and away, they're my favorite things that we do uh, in youth ministry. And I know, I know in youth ministry, I'm not, I'm not like a youth ministry guru. I know in like those circles, there's like been like, uh, a movement away from some of that kind of stuff, but I still, I just can't argue with the results. You know, it's just like, God really seems to like work and show up in those things. And so we'll keep investing in them as long as he's still doing his thing. So, yeah. And you're, you're one of like one of the only youth pastors I know that, that actually stayed committed to, uh, doing a missions trip, an international <laughs> missions trip, kind of in the middle of a pandemic, and uh, yeah, I had a lot of people cancel, and you, you were like, you were like, no, we're we're going to Honduras, and as you know, we're going to jump through the hoops, and we're going to make it happen, and <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so uh, tell tell us a little bit about um, about Honduras this past summer, uh, like what uh, what happened there, and uh, just you know, kind of what what. Uh, yeah, just the kind of the, the results that you saw from that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was like a huge thing this year. Um, so each summer we typically each summer we take three teams on mission trips and they're just kind of split up in some age group stuff to make the manageable sizes. One team goes to San Diego to do some inner city stuff. Um, we one team goes to Mexico and then there's a team that goes to a global destination, which there's a few uh, different places that we work with. And so this year we we had planned, well, last year uh, we had planned to go to Honduras. That's when like the pandemic had kind of just happened. Things were like really, really locked down. Uh, I don't even think it would have been possible to get there. And so we, we weren't able to go. So we pushed that to the following year thinking, oh, we'll be through this pandemic thing by then. That won't even be an issue, right? Surprise, surprise. Um, and so leading up to this trip, we had planned on it. Um, and it was insanely complicated to get there. It was so complicated to get there. Um, because there's all these new rules, there's all these new regulations, they're changing all the time. And for things that will totally like stop your travel, like in its tracks, things are not very well available. That's what I kept finding as I was going through this, be like, this website says this, and then this website says this, and then this, this organization tells you to do this. And this one says you don't need it. And so it was like very complicated. Um, 
but we were committed to it and we just let the students know, hey, we got to hold this loosely. We had talked about whether or not we should even try to do it, um, but we just felt like, man, because we didn't want to add another disappointment to the students by starting down this road and then having to pull a plug on it. And so we were like, no, we, we just, we have to do this. This is such like a lifeblood of our ministry. And, and I just felt personally that we should, we should go for it. And, uh, and so we started the process. We, we start that process like back in February and we went in July. And so we assembled the team. We started meeting. We said, Hey, we got to hold it loosely. We came up on our, uh, on our ticket utilization date for our plane tickets that we were going to do. And, there was still all this regulation, like you had to get a COVID test to come back into the United States. And so, and so that was like a big hurdle because I just was imagining all these parents being like, okay, but what if my kid tests positive for COVID in Honduras? What are you going to, what are you going to do with that? And so, so I, I called this like emergency meeting and I was like, okay, everybody, here's the deal. Your kid might get COVID down there. And if they do, then them and me are staying for 14 days. And I just need to know that you're okay with that. And I, I'll be honest, I totally expected for like at least a few parents to be like, yeah, that's too much for us. Like we're going to pull, pull our kid out of the trip. Not a single parent. They were all like, yeah, great. Go for it. I was like, all right, excellent. Awesome. And so. Um, and you had like 20 students too, right? It was yeah. yeah like, there's uh, like, tw- there's like 20 people going. And so I was really surprised by that, but um, I think they just, they understood how much their students were looking forward to this too. Um, we had, the passport agency was like super slowed down because of the postal service stuff that was going on in the United States. And so we had, we were like two weeks out and four passports weren't here yet. Like we had a kid get exposed to COVID like right, like the day or two before we were supposed to leave. And so it was kind of up in the air, whether he'd pass his COVID test to be able to go, it was super complicated. (laughs) And so we just worked really hard at it. Um, and then as soon as our feet touched the ground in Honduras, I was like, all right, phase one complete. We're here, made it. Um, and it was probably one of, if not the most impactful trip I've ever taken students on. It's certainly in the top couple. Um, it was almost like because of the difficulty getting there, the students were just that much more ready and looking for what God was going to do during that trip. And you were, you and you and Colleen were there. And so, you know, some of it, and we, we saw. Yeah, and the students had, the students like had ownership of that trip. Like yes. they were, they were all in. Yeah. They were all in. And, you know, and that's, that's been stuff that's been building, which has been so cool, but like literally every day, those, those students were waking up and this is something that's so out of the norm for our like tradition here at the church that I work at. Um, it's a little Pentecostal for like these, these like, deeply rooted Baptist kids, you know, but, uh, but they were waking up every day and just saying, okay, Holy spirit, who do you want me to talk to today? Like guide me to the people you want me to interact with today, whether I can speak the same language, whether I can't, whether it's a kid, whether it's an old person, whoever I want to, I want you to direct my steps. And that's been something that God's been growing in our church and in our ministry for a while. And and they, they were listening to him. They were being obedient to him. And we saw just some incredible things happen. Um, we saw, uh, and we had this awesome guy with us, Hoel, who also, he just has this huge gift and he listens to the Holy Spirit. And uh, so we saw people be healed while we were there. 
we saw we, we got to go into places that it looked really unlikely we were going to be able to go to uh, at least at the beginning of the week um we were able to be an encouragement to people we were the first team that they had had since the pandemic started and so <laughs> it was like we were like the extra novelty it's like anytime you take students on a trip it's like oh there's a bunch of like white people rolling around the back of a truck that's interesting i'll come check that out it was even more so this time around you know and so uh yeah it was it was incredible and so many of them had just like really really life-changing things happen um one story in particular we had this young man named ben who was on the trip and uh super nice kid, like very respect, respectful kid. Like he's, he's the kid that all like your friend's moms likes to see coming, you know, they're like, Oh, I'm glad my, <laughs> glad my kid is friends with that kid, you know? Um, and he had his whole life like planned out. He was headed to Cal Poly to do an architecture degree. Um, he'd been working toward that his whole life. His parent, his dad's an architect and has a firm and stuff. And when he was there, it was funny the first night, we were, we were having a conversation kind of after everyone had gone to bed. Um, and he's like, okay. He's like, I know my whole life's planned out, but I'm starting to think maybe God's calling me into some kind of like ministry. And I was like, better make sure that that's true, man. <laughs> uh, but I, I'll tell you this, if you, if you let the cat out of the bag on that, like there's no going back from that. So I would really ask, like, is this what God is asking me to do? And if it is, man, go for it. And a few nights later, he kind of said that to a few more people. And then at the very end of the trip, uh, he was up to share his testimony at a church service that we were doing. And he gets up and he, he just like lays it out for everybody in that church. He's like, well, I'm convinced God is calling me into ministry. So when I get home, I'm going to call Cal Poly, tell him I'm not coming and figure out where I'm going to go to school to become a pastor. And it was like, it was such a cool thing. And, and it, that trip was just marked by so many instances like that big and small where people are like i'm i'm attuned to the voice of the holy spirit i'm listening to what he says and then i'm actually doing it which it seems way oversimplified but isn't that like that's the whole deal right that, that we're able to hear what god is saying and then we're willing to quickly say yes and uh yeah we got to see that happen a lot on that trip and we got to see that continue uh, as we've gotten home which has been really cool yeah. And so I, you know, I think, I think there's a, there's a principle there that I've seen like over and over and over again, is that is, that is like, you know, do the hard things. Like if God, if God's calling you, like if you do the hard things, there will be, there will be fruit, there will be a reward at the end of it. Mm -hmm. But, but so often we just, uh, as soon as things get hard, we start making, we start making our way out, like our, we, we, we plan our exit strategy from what God's totally. really wanting us to do. And, totally. Uh, yeah. And, and when things get like out of our control, I find that's like, that's like when we have to make that hard decision where it's like, okay, like all of my best efforts will only go so far in getting us to Honduras. Like my best efforts will only go so far in getting us yeah. home from Honduras. There's a lot that I just have to be open-handed with, but right. man, that's true. I, I feel like that's, becoming even more true in everything we're doing with these students is I can't make them love Jesus. Like I can't make them their life, like produce fruit of a life connected to Jesus. So, but I spend a lot of time trying to like force that I, I have in the past. And now it's like, okay, I just need to like set the stage as clearly as possible for them to have a real encounter with the Holy spirit 
so that their life's actually changed from the inside out rather than falling into the trap of, I think, maybe traditional youth ministry of trying to force them from the outside in, uh, which I just don't think hasn't proven to work very well, you know? And so that's been that's, interesting. Man, that sounds like a, that sounds like a great spot to end actually. I think, I don't know yeah. if we can say anything that's uh, that's kind of more profound than that, even though, <laughs> even though it sounds really, really simple. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, thanks so much, Kyle, for, for taking the time to do this. And, uh, yeah. And uh, it's been it's been really it's been a really good discussion, I think, about where youth ministry is at these days. So 